But I'll take chance. Jake Paul to school, hammer him. And he knows it as well, he won't fight me. I'd fight him and his brother mm. on the same night. And what they could do is... Oh, that's wrestling. And listen, this is, they can take it in turn. What do you think what? about Flat Earth? Oh, oh, let's go there, yeah! <laughs> yeah. I was just about to ask you about Des Walker. The heliocentric model is a load of nonsense. Hello, I'm David Vianic. And I'm Spitz Gonzalez. And this is Stripped, brought to you by William Hill. In this show, we talk to celebrity guests. We get nostalgic. And we talk about retro football shirts, man, that made us fall in love with the game. That's right. Our guests pick four shirts that tell the story of their life. The unforgettable one, the first one, the haunted one, and the named one. Of course, and today we've got a special guest. That's right. He's a full mobile boxing champion, and he's Nottingham's greatest. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, Carl Frotch. I'll take the Nottingham's greatest. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'll yeah. take that. Of course, man. We've got Brian, there's a statue of Brian Clough up. I mean... It, I can't be Nottingham's greatest when there's a statue of him up. Yeah, but I don't remember. I'm young, so I don't remember Brian Clough like that. Yeah, all right. So well, I remember you, though, when I you watched know, you. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. So, you know, so, uh, you, you, you're definitely a statue right next to him. Yeah, it should be one there, actually. We yeah. should get rid of that one, actually. Put me See? in there. Forget about it. I think, yeah, you'd look good <laughs> as a statue as well. I reckon so. Is yeah. it Rocky one? In, is it Rocky when what he gets... What would you do pose-wise if you were yeah. a statue? Would you want like that? I think one arm like down, one arm up. Or would you want more like... No, nah, none of that. Nothing like... Nothing like... Go out of time, couldn't it? Could, you need a timeless one, like a selfie. A number one, it's usually like you just pick your nose boxing, and it's like look at that. That's what they always look do. at my finger. One finger. It's <laughs> not bad. It's got to be a fist if they get a statue. But that's yeah. the thing. I don't like seeing statues that are like, you know, when you go out and you see these statues that are from like the sixties, and you're like, ah, oh, but I don't remember it though. Yeah, because you weren't alive. So we should we should be able to update statues. Okay. Yeah, it's a good yeah, shot. It's a good shot. Well, what do you mean? How do we update a statue oh, from the sixties? Oh, in the How, 60s. Yeah. So obviously, like I say, Clough. Okay. I'm not saying Clough 60s, by the way, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. So you're not talking about putting a skin fade on the Brian Clough <laughs> statue. <laughs> that's not, that's not, that's not the update. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Just put a skin fade and say, that's Clough. <laughs> I've never heard. That is, a, that is great. Yes, yes. It's, oh, it's it's it, isn't it? Yeah, give him like Air Maxes. <laughs> Brian Clough in Airmaxes. Well, no, this leads us in perfectly. Of course it into does. Into our, our first kit. It's the first one. You know, it's, it's the kit that you know made you fall in love with the game. Well, Des Walker for me at Nottingham at the Trent. I remember being a, a young kid and we've got a new ground. Or well, it's not even that new, but it's newer than what it was back in the day, like 30 years ago when I was down there. But I went to a really early game, Nottingham Forest. I can't remember. But I've got this vivid image of the it's the Trent end because it's the side of the River Trent and it's just oh. all concrete blocks and sort of you know the this, the like scaff bars mm. for the railings all open and um, yeah I can remember standing there thinking this is rubbish <laughs> I'm hating life I was like a young kid it was cold <coughs> and there's quite a few goals as well but I was just like oh, I couldn't even see the pitch there's so many people uh. like you know the guy I was with could have put me on his shoulders it was my uncle. <laughs> Like back in the day, I was a big Forest fan. But then I, I got back into football. And uh, when I turned pro in 2002, um, I was going down the club quite regular. And that was to, I'm fighting for British titles. Let's let's nick some of the Forest fans. I'm fighting for a British title at the arena. Let's get some of the Nottingham Forest fans down. And so you just go down, you walk on the pitch, you've got your belt and that. But I, I got to know some of the players. And Des Walker was one of the guys. And he's, he's a Forest legend, defender, brilliant. There's him, there's Wes Morgan. Defending as well, um, more of late. He ended up um, in Leicester, did really well for Leicester, didn't he, Wes Morgan? Mm. 
But Des Walker, I've had a good long chats with him. He, he knows my dad quite well. They just bumped into each other on an aeroplane going to Corfu or somewhere. And they, mm. they had a chat and um, he said, I've been with your son working, working at Forest. My ACL ruptured a uh, cruciate ligament, which is a football injury. I did that sparring, I like twisting injury and my knee popped. Oh. And I took some advice off him and a guy called Chris Commons, who was also at Forest for a while. Um, Grant Holt, he, he came and went, there's a few players. And um, most of them have had the knees repaired. So I just took some advice off Des Walker about the, the um, surgeon that he used, he had the same injury back in the day. What's Nottingham like though as a city? I haven't actually, I, I think I went once to visit the uni. It needs a facelift mate, to be cool. honest. Everyone, really? everyone who's like, yeah, like and I think now we've got Premier League team, I reckon that will, that will give it what it needs because mm. all, the, all the big clubs are going to come into the city and you get more money brought into the, into the city. If you look at Manchester and Liverpool, Mm. You know, the, the cities are nice cities and you've got nicer restaurants and bars and areas and Nottingham, Nottingham definitely needs a facelift, needs some better bars and clubs. There's some nice place, nice spots yeah. when you know where you're going. If you just came to visit Nottingham, back in the day it was all about the women, like seven to one apparently, like oh, seven women to one. That's all everyone talks about. And then, Do you know why that was? I don't case? know. But over, like last 10 years, I'm like, where's all these women? You've got all the men in there looking for the women. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the bars thinking, where's all these women everyone's talking I'm about? Like women. Yes, but that's what the ratio was back in the day. And that's why a lot of people used to come for a night out or, oh. or stag door or whatever in Nottingham. But um, yeah, I'm going back a few years now. And why is it called Nottingham Forest? Is there forests around? Yeah, sure, forest. Okay. Obviously Robin Hood and the <gasps> Merry Men. It's from Nottingham. Robin Hood's from the yeah, I'm the sheriff. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but I'm the sheriff of Nottingham. You're the sheriff of Nottingham? I'm the sheriff. Well, they've given you that title? No. Are you? <laughs> I'm the world champ, so I'm the sheriff of Nottingham. Ah. Well, I was. Lee How? Wood's now the sheriff of Nottingham because he's a world champ. Uh, I'm, the free, I'm a freeman of the city as well. I've got that freeman, free, honorary freeman. What's that mean? What do you do when you're a freeman? It means I can take my sheep over Trent Bridge, which is always. So if you had sheep. Wait, you, you, got, sheep? you got a sheep? No. <laughs> but is that, is that what it means? But you can, yeah. There's like some mad rules where like you can... Is there any other benefits apart um, from owning sheep? If you're an honorary freeman, I think it's, it's more of an acknowledgement, a bit like an honorary degree, okay. which I've also got. It's one of them where like you, you're that, then you can get made a lord and then there's all these different uh, titles. Oh, but to be an honorary freeman, it's just a recognition, it's an acknowledgement and you have a civic reception and everyone will go, oh, Carl Frosch is an honorary freeman, he must have done well. Uh, Brian okay. Clough, Torval and Dean. You know, a couple of names from Nottingham that you might. Yeah, yeah. Is that cool know. for you to, to be so highly renowned? Well, it's cool because I'm born. I'm born and I'm from Nottingham. My parents are from Nottingham, and to be acknowledged and have a civic reception for my achievements in boxing, and for people to sort of stand up and applaud, and, and you're in the local papers on the local news, it's like you feel like you're a bit of a gangster I'm in your hometown. I'm yeah, trying yeah. to understand this because obviously, when you started supporting Nottingham Forest, they were dominating. They were very good, right? Mm. Yes, there was. So, well. Many, no, 1979, oh, mm -hmm. 1980. So I was like four or five, five years old. old. Okay. There was back-to-back -back European champions. Mm -hmm. But Kenny Burns, John McGovern, John Robertson, what a player he was. He's like the modern day Messi. Oh. Um, but obviously back then you, you made 100 quid a week, not 350 grand a week. So I played tennis with John Robertson at um, David Lloyd in West Bridgeford um, with some of the old boys from Forest. So you're in there and you think, who's them there, who's them guys? And they're like 68, 70 years old, some of them, running around the tennis court playing doubles. And um, a friend of mine said, that's John Robertson, that is. That's Kenny Burns, that's John McGovern. I'm like, really? And you look them up and you think, they're like forest legends from back in the day. And um, obviously didn't make any money in the 80s football. Mm. So, you know, they're, they're doing all right, but not as, they're not as financially secure as the mm. guys now who play football at that level. Mm. But that's just, that's just life and it, times change. And, 
Um, that's just how it is. But yeah, it's like it's fascinating to think that them boys that were at the top of the game back in the day, I get to play tennis with them. Mm. But how, how did the boxing start? If you're from a, a place of all these fo- like all these football mm, European like, cups at the time yeah. as well. And yeah, European yeah. Where, where does bo- how does the boxing come in? My into? dad just walked me into a gym with my older brother mm-hmm. when I was like eight years old just to kind of get us off the street and probably stop messing around. He used to box my dad as an mm. amateur, so didn't do much. But he actually boxed out of Morton Hall, Borstal and mm-hmm. um, Lincoln Prison. He, would, he spent a couple of years inside. He used to, he used to be a mo- used to be on the Motown and Soul scene in like in the 80s, like 70s and 80s. You know, all the music used to go around the country and um, just dance, just all these different dance shows. My old man and my mum and that. And there was mods and rockers then. And my old man was like skinhead with the Doc Martens and that. Always scrapping, and he he um he got sent down for a couple of years doing stupid things like nicking cars to go and go to the show because I couldn't afford to get there. And he'd get the car and he'd park it back up like on the street <laughs> with all the thing all hot wired. And in the in the end, they, they got caught up with him, and he was just like real unruly kid. My old man got expelled from school at like fourteen, and he was in a young man's offended like a ball stall, and they ended up doing two years. It was in court actually, and my granddad Wojciech, who's Polish. He don't speak much English or speaks no English. Um, my late granddad, he, he died in the year 2000 and it was in court. My mum said to me, when he was in court, because she says, your dad wasn't a bad lad. He was just like a bit unruly and like say, nicking cars, it was twacking, wasn't it? Taking without his consent. But just to get to these these um, dance, like Motown and Soul gigs up and down the country, him and his mate, Johnny Greenwood. And um, the judge said, look, your son keeps doing this and he's, 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 he's kind of, he needs to be kept inside. If you keep him inside and you look after him and put him on your own curfew, that's fine. And my granddad didn't speak any English. He was like, I have no control over Frannick. My dad's name's Frank. <laughs> and my mum's like, no, no, boy, check. He's, he's like, and he's like, I have no control. Like, send him down type of thing. So my old man got two years in Lincoln Prison. It's like an open prison, like a weekend thing, Kawama and whatever. Oh. But yeah, he got sent down because my granddad don't speak English. The judge was like, "All right, he's going down." <laughs> but, it's, but it's sorted. He got a he got a joinery he got a joinery um, like qualification in there, and he came out. He'd never been back since, and um, mm. yeah, it sorted him out. But he boxed out of Morton or Borstal. But yeah, quite tough, hard Polish like. So I think that's why I make weight easy because of my Polish ancestry and like, my heritage. Because I'm quite tall and lean. Mm. And my two brothers are the same, and my aunties and uncles, because there's five, like my dad, my uncle, mate, and then Barbara, Kathleen, and Christine, and they're all like six foot, six foot plus, and they're all really slim. And that's just kind of what I'm like. Yeah. And strong. So, you know, we're all a product of our kind of genetics. genetics, Strong metabolism. I think it gave me a a bit of a head start. In a weight governed sport, to be able to do the weight easier and still be strong at the weight, I think that's, I, I attribute it a lot to that. What do you think of all these YouTubers getting into boxing? I don't know if you've kept up with any of that. I think fair play to Jake them. Paul, yeah, and Jake Paul, KSI, and Paul. I mean, they're not boxers, are they? They're YouTubers. Yeah. They're in there swinging handbags, having a go. Jake Paul's having more of a go of late because he's he's getting in there with people. I mean, it was Logan Paul, wasn't it, that fought Mayweather? Yeah. But Jake Paul was supposed to be fighting Tommy Fury. Mm. But he's had a couple of fights that he's looked okay in. Yeah. So Jake Paul's more in, in the limelight now. Jake Paul's mm. giving it all. He's got the gob, and he? He's talking it all the time. Yeah, now Logan yeah. and KSI are friends. They make, they've got business together. Oh, really? Prime energy drinks. So what do I make of it? I think fair play to them. Yeah. If, they can, if they can get in there and play at being boxers and make a load of money because their followers want to pay for it, mm. then they're, they're, they're exploiting the market that they've created in terms of their followers. And they monetized it. Mm. So I'll get out of bed in the morning. That's why I boxed professional. I didn't stick around in amateur ranks because I won't get paid. 
turn professional to become a prize fighter to get paid to earn money. And that's why boxing's going out to Saudi Arabia and, and golf and we can go down that rabbit hole of whether, whether it's morally right and you know whether we should be going out there because the money's there or whether these big fights should stay in England. You know what I mean? But if the money's there, if it makes money, it makes sense. And that's what's happening. Could you train, so, could you train us? I mean, we're, we're kind of like YouTubers and we want to fight. Would you train us? Or you? I kind of happily train, yeah, but I don't know. I don't want to take no responsibilities if you get <laughs> ironed out. I tried like a couple of times. I, mean, I'm a, I think I can move a little yeah. bit better. What like, weight do you think I'd be? Uh, how tall are you? I'm 5'8". Five 5'8", eight. Five eight, are you? Yeah. yeah, I reckon you struggle to get a featherweight. What are you, like 8, 9 stone? I, I know kg. Yeah, yeah I know kg 50 well. kg I am. Are you 50 kg? Yeah. I am 80 kg and 6 foot 4. 8 stone. 6 foot 4. So maybe, maybe we, What's we could be trainers for you then. You'd do light heavyweight, because yeah, I'm, I'm old heavyweight. school, you see, I'm, I'm like stones and pounds. Stones, I'm a kg. you got the okay. metric system, you know, yeah. Royal with cheese. I don't, <laughs> know what, I don't know what a quarter pounder looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that, I feel like because you, you're used playable. to just spraying your arms now, and now yeah. you're doing them, it's like you need to be moving your arm a lot, like yeah. just that motion. Yeah, probably, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Tennis, all the sports you see, yeah. let's keep moving your arm. Movement and yeah. motion, yeah. it's like a dance. Yeah, and I'm decent, not bad at tennis, I can play tennis. Yeah. I'm not bad at golf now, but I do play a lot of golf. There's a debate though, obviously tennis debate. Um, mm. Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, mm. where do you swing in those three? Well, Nadal's been around for so many years mm. and he's dominated for so long. It's a shame he come out with injury in the, in the uh, was it Wimbledon, injured, yeah. last one. I mean, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? He's, he's aging now. I don't know what he's doing hanging on to that barnet either, and he said, just face the gods. <laughs> he's, he's just hanging it's good on for to the it. Buzz cut, isn't it. Yeah, he's got to go, man. Um, but Federer, I mean, brilliant again. He's probably one of the all time greats. I don't, is he the best tennis player of all time? He's certainly up there in the top three. And Djokovic, Djokovic is now just dominating. But he's been around for years, Djokovic, as yeah, well. Sure, yeah. And he's just improved. But he's, for me, he's one of the best athletes in the world. He's just, he's just an unbelievable machine. Mm. You know what I mean? He's just. Brilliant. So and you lean towards him as your favourite? Yeah, because he's almost he's almost invincible. The way the way in which he plays and his mindset, and when mm. he's under pressure, he copes with the pressure so much. Because when there's a lot of comparables with with boxing and tennis, and when it's deuce advantage, deuce advantage for 10, 15 mm. minutes, and then if you lose that game, and you've been you've been deuce advantage for so long, when you lose, that can break you mentally. You just think, I've just spent 15 minutes and I nearly had that game and I've lost my serve. And he'll do some advantage and um, he'll come back the next game and win it mm. if that happens. And he just stay strong, keep believing in himself. Yeah. And that mindset, it's with most sports though, you need to be mentally tough. Boxing as well, you've got to believe in yourself, you've got to be mentally tough. Mm. But Djokovic, you know when it's on them, um, you know if they're having a playoff for the, for the final set. Yeah. Don't know who he's against. The Kyrgios is quite cheeky and leery. He's, he's quite good to watch. He, he does the underarm serve He's fun again, to watch, yeah, very fun. He's good, but he ain't got that experience, he ain't got that mental. Mm. He switches off. Do you, do you watch? I, I, I was at the final. I managed to get a ticket. Oh, was you? Oh, it was great. It was great to watch. Bro. Yeah. Incredible. Been with you yeah. next time. I've never been. Oh, Wimbledon's so fun. I don't know yeah, if you've it's been. Really it's really I get in the raw box quite a lot, but I don't want to. You wanna? Don't want to show off. <laughs> get the invite. It's <laughs> <laughs> all part of the honorary Freeman thing. Yeah. And the NBA as well. You got NBA? Oh, I'm a member of the British Empire. Me too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you just pissed on the parade. I've got NBA. I've got NBA. I'll show you after. Nice one. Yeah. 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 You sure? Sure, it's an NBA. Yeah. No, but I I gave it to myself. I just oh, thought, okay. yeah, 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 I just thought to myself. Yeah, I wonder was, what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's new internet. I might as well just. I can't believe I shut your hand on that. <laughs> take that back. You gotta take it back. <laughs> so, did you meet the Queen? No, Prince, Prince William. Prince, Prince William. William. Yeah, it's good. It's a good day. Going yeah. in the palace. I was looking for something to nick. 
Well, not in a bad way. It was dual. a souvenir, but nothing. It's all been nicked. Like, <laughs> you, you, walk, you go and park up in the car park, <laughs> then they take you through into this room. And you go, oh, this is an amazing place. Then you just start looking. So you like, start peeling off some of the wallpaper. Like a little glass. <laughs> like, there's nothing in there, mate. They put you in there, and then they, they, it's like on a conveyor belt. It's quite a lot of people getting beers, but it's still, it's a good award. It's yeah. good to be acknowledged. Yeah. By, the, uh, CV, man. by royalty, you know. The next show we're going to talk about now is the uh, the haunted one. So mm. it's the the Chelsea home thirteen to fourteen season. Samsung across the middle. Yeah, and it's it's the shirt that, of course. Now let's be honest. You know when you fought uh, Groves, Grovesy boy, yeah, that was for me better than Rocky because that oh. should have been a movie. Mm. You know it was so it's so huge, and of course Groves was a Chelsea fan. Yeah. So you know what's your 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 memory on? On that time. Well, he had that win. he had that Chelsea badge on his shorts. Yeah, and mm. he was he was you know he was a big Chelsea fan apparently. Mm. Whether he was or not, I don't know. I think mm. he still he does go. I don't want to. Probably. <laughs> yeah, but when you've got an opponent mm. and you have such a such a big grudge match because mm. I didn't like him, he didn't like me. I mean, I don't know where it all started. Maybe it was a sparring that started it because I'm really good friends with David Hay, and David Hay was trained by Adam Booth um, in that time of his career. When David A was a really, really good cruiserweight, you know, when he was at his peak, uh, before he stepped up to heavyweight, he wasn't quite big enough for heavyweight David A, but George Groves was in the gym with a haymaker mm. and Adam Booth training him. And um, yeah, he used to come into the ring with his, um, with his Chelsea badge. So I always relate Chelsea to George Groves. That's why I don't really care too much for Chelsea. Although they're a good club. Mm. I'm never going to be shouting and screaming about them, am I? But, uh, animosity there. <laughs> but yeah, we had beef, we had serious beef, me and Groves. And um, that first fight, it's probably me being a bit, a bit sort of unprofessional, maybe a little bit immature as well. He was really immature, like such a plonker, and being polite as well. And he wind me up, he wind me into a frenzy. But we used to spar. David A used to come along and have a look. He mm. used to be trying to knock me out, and I'd be trying to just because when I started sparring Groves, he'd just turn pro, and I was already like tapping on the door for a world title. So when when somebody who's just turning professional from the amateurs spars with a world champion. Like when I was sparring Howard, I remember sparring Howard Eastman. Do you remember him? He way too way too young for him. Mm. The Battersea bomber. And he's just hard and tough. He actually beat my coach in a professional ring. And he fought William Joppy as well for the world title. Like great fighter, never won a world title and, and the brother Gilbert Eastman. But I was trained at Lennox Lewis College in London when I turned pro in two thousand and two. And he's just a real tough, hard man. He had he had a grey goatee beard and he had his his um his dreadlocks. And he's just a hard man. You should watch him fight. He fights William Joppy for the world title and um, just falls short. And he fights Bernard Hopkins as well. I was there for that. I was his chief sparring partner. But when I first turned pro, I was chucked in with him, sparring. Rob McCracken guided me, so he took his time with him and, you know, with me and told Howard to just take his time with me. Because Howard wouldn't know to just beat me up and probably mm. flatten me when I first turned pro. Because I wasn't ready for that kind of level. Um, but then it got to where I was British champ and I was tapping on the door for a world title and it got to where Howard Eastman couldn't really cope with me because I'd kind of taken over him. He was like 35, 36 and I was 25 and I was peaking. But with Groves, it's like he turned pro and I was already kind of a seasoned professional, already British champ, Commonwealth champ, tapping on the door for a world title. So I could do 12 rounds, I could take the shots. My body was conditioned to sort of get beat up because it's not. It's first, my first 12 round fight, I couldn't walk for two weeks. Mm. It was like I was just in bits. Couldn't get out of bed. My neck, back, whiplash, legs, arms, everything just beat up. 
got beat up by King Charles of Army for the Commonwealth title. I won the title, but it was my first 12 round fight. And your body goes through a change after being in the ring for 12 rounds. Well, that fight with George Groves was actually the first one. It felt, like, it felt like a loss because the way it was received by the press mm. and the audience, because oh. the fight was stopped in most people's opinion too early, not in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because it was stopped and Howard Foster jumped in and stopped the fight. But the fight was, in most people's opinion, stopped too early. Yeah. So it was almost like I lost the fight. Mm. I won the fight, but it I felt, felt like, like I lost mm. because of that. But if you look at the fight, round one, I got flattened with a right hand. Bosh, mm. straight on the chin, on the seat of my pants for the second time only in my whole career, amateur and pro. Sorry, you see yeah, when you, so when that's happened, mm. in your mind, are you thinking, hold on, I was way before this guy I kind of like you know in a way like I've thought of all that before the fight not after not, not, not when, not when not I've been when flattened right I'm not sitting on the canvas thinking he just, <laughs> he he was flattened me. he's not that good him <laughs> and he's just done me I'm sitting on the seat of my pants thinking now I didn't need to walk into that one that was a big shot I got beat up then now let's be honest no you didn't for six rounds well I got dropped and then beat up for six rounds but do you know, do you know what's funny and then I turned it around and started to get to him but I just felt like in the first fight he, he was going back to, you was chasing him, I felt like. Yeah, well, he started to get tired. He tired yeah. himself out beating me up. And he was thinking, why is Froch still coming? <laughs> he dropped me in round one, hit me with absolutely everything for the next five or six rounds. If you watch that fight back. And then I, I sort of recovered from that knockdown. Because you don't get your feet back under you and your head's not in the room because you're concussed. Mm. For a few, for quite, it's like 10, 15 minutes before you switch back. The same with me with Jermaine Taylor, that third round knockdown. I can't remember anything up until towards the end of the fight. And when I watch it back, even like the next day you see it on, on repeat, you're kind of going, oh, wow, I can't remember that round. I can't remember that. What happened there? Because you just can't remember because mm. you, you're concussed. It's obviously not very healthy for you. But Wembley? But the rematch of Groves, obviously it was such a controversial stoppage in the first one. Mm. Howard Foster jumped in a bit early. Everyone was whinging, oh, the fight was stopped too early. I don't think it was. Mm. Howard Foster could see how just it grows of an overhand right. His eyes were rolling. He was slumped down, leaning forward. His arms were dangling. And I was it's trying to make some 60, room. Man. I was trying to make some room, and I got some room. And I hit him with a right hand, a left hook, and then he's falling forward. And the ref's like, the ref knows what I can do when I've got a free hit on someone. And maybe I don't know. The ref could have left the fight and gone right. I'll, I'll let Froch hit him with two or three more shots, and totally knock Groves out, so he's unconscious and potentially damaged. Or the ref goes right. Groves has done that. He's had a good six rounds. He's dropped Froch. He's now exhausted. Groves is. It's round eight or round nine, and Froch is now back in the room and letting shots go and landing body head shots at will. The rest thinking, he's nah, done. So he stops the fight. But yeah. the crowd want to see blood. The crowd want to see someone well, on the I floor. Think that, I think they did get to see... You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you, you, well the you, conclusive <laughs> finish in the rematch. <laughs> exactly. But that controversial stoppage and the crowd's reaction to the stoppage, booing and throwing coins and spitting at me, and I left the, I left the arena. I mean, so everyone went mad. Mm. Press went mad. The crowd went mad. We got our rematch at Wembley Stadium. In front of how many people? In front of, I think it was, I think there was about 80,000. <laughs> you think? I don't mention it more. <laughs> 80,000. And 80, what, 60,000? It's, it's a big number. 60,000 tickets were sold in the first yeah. hour or so. It's a history-making number. It's a history-making number. What was that like, walking in front of so many oh, it was people? Amazing. Wembley Stadium I was so focused, because the first fight I took him lightly. Didn't mm. take him serious. I was doing a dance show with my wife. Because right, I'd won the fight with Kester, the rematch. It was on pay-per-view. I was a little bit averse. It's getting a little bit of a taste of the celebrity lifestyle. Mm. Like Rocky and Rocky 2. And, you know, and he wins and then he goes out and gets the coat and the car. And he gets a new house. And he's got a fight club. I lang, he, in, in, in the third fight, in, in Rocky 3. 
you can relate a lot to these Rocky stories to real life because it was um, marvellous Marvin Hagler, the late marvellous Marvin Hagler, said it's, it's hard to get up and do a morning run when you're wearing silk pyjamas. Mm. So when you've made it and you're world champ and you, you've got you've financially, pretty much financially secure, you kind of, you're thinking, I'm still a boxer. The gas a little bit. I think that's Anthony Joshua's problem now. Mm. I think that he's like, and he got beat up by Ruiz, so that's like mentally scarred him because he knows he can get hurt, he knows he can get stopped. But also, he's got worth 100 million, minimum. And when you've got what you want out of life and you've achieved, why are you going to go back in the ring and get your head punched in? Why mm. would you? It's a dangerous sport. It's not football. It's not a bad game. It's 5-0 or tennis, three sets to love. It's stretcher, hospital. Hopefully you'll come round. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the real dark side of boxing. Mm. So you have to weigh up, weigh up the risk versus the reward. Like, what, am I, what am I fighting for? Some more money that I don't need. I will never spend. And what's the risk? Well, I could die get seriously brain damaged. I don't want this to take a dark twist, by the way, but yeah. that's the implications of a bad boxing match. Mm. You know? And um, I just think when you get to a certain level in boxing and you've made your money and you've, your legacy's secure, like me when I boxed at Wembley in front of 80,000. Say again. And I chinned Groves <laughs> and it was a grudge match and I've got nothing left to do. Mm. Like you're, the, you're at the top of that yeah, mountain God, and mean, the only you can do is go over the other <laughs> side. Yeah, but you knocked him out. Sparker. Like he was, you know, asleep. He, he was at my house. He was I, saw, I saw him. He <laughs> <laughs> was out cold, mate. Don't worry about that. He was snoring before he hit the ground. I heard him put snoring on the way down because the right hand landed, and he's like. <sighs> but would God. you would you say that punch here, that knockout, was from the last fight of people saying they shouldn't have stopped it and you lost? Do you think that was? Well, the condition I was in before I got in the ring mm -hmm. at Wembley was probably the best condition of my life. And I was yeah. 36 years old, I was a month away from turning 37. So it was the 31st of May, which is a significant date. It's my brother's birthday, who's now seven years sober. Rob McCracken, my coach, it's his birthday. A good friend of mine, Gemini's, Lee Meager. Gemini's people. So a yeah, oh, exactly. And um, <laughs> a month later, 2nd of July, I turned 37. So I was, I was almost 37 and I, I kind of knew I'm about ready to retire here. I've done well in the game. I've, I've been, I've had, this is my third Sky pay-per-view. And you make decent money when you box on pay-per-view. You get, you get, you know, the more buyers, the more money you make, and that's just where the money's generated on on Sky Box Office. And um, I was like, when I did, took this rematch with Groves, I was training, kind of knowing it was going to be my last training camp. So I put everything into it. I was running, I was up every morning running with it's the, a fine. Just like the young kids. Fine, wasn't it? Yeah, and I was just thinking, I'm leaving it all in there. It's going to have to take me out on a stretcher. There's no way I'm going to stop throwing punches and stop trying to walk through punches till I've got the result I want until that final bell goes. And I've been there before with Jermaine Taylor. I've been 12 rounders twice with Mikel Kessler. I went 12 rounds of, with Andre Ward and lost a close points decision against someone who's like brilliant. He retired undefeated, amateur and pro at 30 years old. So I'd been there kind of, got the experience, got the t-shirt and all that. And Groves was still learning. He'd been in with me and had a great first fight and dropped me in round one and hit me with loads of shots, but he got stopped. So in the rematch, I'm like, right, all I've got to do is train properly take him serious. Mm. So I stayed in Sheffield for 12 weeks. I was running every morning with all the young lads from the podium squad, all the, all the lads up there that, that were training for the Olympics. Mm. I was training with them in the morning, all that youth and enthusiasm. And I was like the, the, the main man. AJ was up there as well, but I was like the main guy. I was like the world champ fighting in the rematch with Groves. So everyone's looking up to me and I'm training hard and I've got all these guys looking at me and looking up to me. And it just made me feel good being there. And I thought, you know what, I'm staying in Sheffield. So when I boxed at Wembley, I was, I, was, I was at my best. I mean, your rivalry, your rivalry with Grozy was, you know, it set a new precedent mm -hmm. in terms of tickets sold, 
mm. as just the spectacle of boxing got bigger. Yeah. Do you think it opened those doors for the likes of, you know, AJ, Eddie Hearn, creating a new new wave? So that fight at Wembley set a precedence then moving forward. So Eddie Hearn, me and Eddie Hearn was, was good for each other. He was good for me because he got me back on Sky mm. and I brought pay-per-view back. Mm. And pay-per-view was ruined. Eddie Hearn ruined pay-per-view with all the Harrison. He used to get in there not for a punch. <laughs> And David Hay batted him and it was on Sky pay-per-view and then they, they stopped pay-per-view then after that because everyone was complaining like, I paid for that and all did it for a punch, what's going off? So pay-per-view got abolished. Mm. And then I beat Lucian Butte under Eddie Hearn and then I boxed once, boxed a guy called Yusuf Mack, my first marked time fight and then Sky pay-per-view came back for me and Mikel Kessler in the rematch. And it was a great fight at the O2 in London, 20,000 people there, 12 round war, he beat me in the first fight. I got my revenge in the rematch, and that was pay-per-view, and everybody was happy to pay for it. And that got Sky Box Office back on the on the map, and mm. Eddie Hearn. So the fight at Wembley after the first Groves fight and the second Groves fight was at Wembley Stadium. That was the catalyst for what Eddie Hearn's done, and he'll he'll tell you exactly the same. He worked hard. He played his part. I I did the fights and did the winning, and beat Groves in that rematch, but. The Anthony Joshua thing, I don't think, you know, would that have happened? Would that have been a Wembley fight? People know now they can go to Wembley. We know we can sell the national stadium for a boxing match. So when you've got someone like AJ fighting Klitschko for the world title, it's not going to be anywhere else, is it, other than Wembley Stadium? So right. that's, that was definitely the catalyst for what, what um, Eddie Hearn did with Matchroom. But Eddie Hearn works really hard. He's a grafter. He's always on transatlantic flights. He's, he's changed the sport of boxing for the better, he's given massive opportunities to loads of fighters and there's a lot of money in the game now. Mm. But there's a, the landscape's changed quite a lot. Channel 5 are doing boxing now. Sky Sports pay-per-view now showing this one. DAZN, a subscription channel, um, they're showing boxing. So if you're a fighter now and you're a world champ, you've got an opportunity to earn some really good money. And that's largely due to Eddie Hearn and myself. And yourself, I of take course. credit for that and Eddie Hearn will probably acknowledge that as well. And he actually still owes me a drink, but I won't go into it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you owe some hand and drink. Of course. So we're talking about Wembley. Uh, what else happens at Wembley? The FA Cup final. So I'm going to take you to the unforgettable one. So that's the Nottingham Forest home shirt. Uh, the year 1991. Of course, Forest were very unlucky because they lost. But Stuart Pearce, a legend, got that goal. Um, and of course, like you've gone and fought Kessler in Denmark and you know Ward in USA. Like, talk to me about pressure, because you know I've already told you I fumbled. But you know, like in these kind of atmospheres, Wembley and that, what's it like? You know, just being under pressure. Listen, like, the pressures, the pressures, um, it's almost unbearable. But mm. you, I found it harder earlier on in my career. I was quite a nervous amateur, mm. and, and nerves are just like your mind telling you that you might lose. Mm. Or you doubt yourself, I don't belong here, I'm not good enough. Coming from the amateurs and into the pro, I remember before I turned pro, I used to watch Prince Nassim Hamid, because he was just, just such an entertainer. <laughs> yeah, and I remember he used to walk to the ring, <laughs> smiling, dancing, and doing his little, you know what I mean? He had some moves, didn't he? And he'd somersault the top rope. Nice. And I'd think, how does he go into these arenas with 20,000 people in there, doing all that? Confident. Because yeah. I used to be nervous as an amateur. But when you turn pro, it's a natural progression. You've got to believe in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, pretend to believe in yourself. You've heard the saying, fake mm -hmm. it till you make it. Mm -hmm. So have your chin up, smile, stand there, even though your heart's pounding and you feel sick and you feel weak because you're so nervous. That's what I used to do. I used to be quite nonchalant the way I walked around. I used to look at my opponent and like go over to him before the bell goes, like early on. But really I'm thinking, bloody hell, this is, <laughs> this is horrible. But as soon as that first bell goes, 
the nerves sort of used to leave me. I just couldn't wait for that first bell. You get punched in the face and straight away you switch okay. on. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and um, the pressure then from, from being 4,000 people at York or Bethnal Green, I think I had my first four or five fights. I mean, what a fantastic venue that is, by the way, because you've got the ground, the floor level, and then you've got the balconies around the side at this, at this, um, this venue the York Hall, which is in Bethnal Green, like the Cray Brothers box there. It's got so much prestige and so much Cray history. Brothers, yeah, so, so much history. Mm. And that was more nerve-wracking for me then than when I eventually ended up at 20,000 at the O2 and then rematch with Kessler. And then in the Amiena Arena with George Groves in the first one, 20,000, and then 80,000. 80,000, big number. I don't mention it much. <laughs> mm. 80,000 people is a lot of people. Come and watch a boxing match. And I'm walking to the ring and I'm so experienced and so confident and I've done so much visualization and I've got breathing techniques and I've got kind of meditation yeah, techniques and almost, yeah, Wim Hof to the cold, because I had a lot of cold ice baths and you've got to do the Wim Hof to, to get there. And you're not nervous, you're nervous and you, you're feeling the pressure because if you're not nervous, you underperform. You've got to feel that adrenaline, oh, um, but perform. you're not nervous to the point where you're doubting yourself like I used to early on. Like, oh, maybe I don't belong here. Oh, I don't really want to get in the ring. I'm scared. I'm, you're nervous, but your heart's pounding and you walk into the ring and you, your hairs are standing up on the back of your neck and you feel, you feel invincible. You've done a 12 week training camp. You've, you're a changed man. You, your mind's on the game. You, you're a machine. You're, an animal. you're like a caged animal, just out of cage. And you want to you go in that ring and destroy somebody. Mm. That's the mindset you should be in. That's how I was. Did you ever wear, you know, your, fo your old forest tops like, the 1991 shirt, the home top. Do you ever wear that when you was training? Anything? Every now and again, I'd drop a shirt on, yeah. and and I'm proud of the forest thing. But how was the fit? What's that? How was the fit? It the, was good, mate. Yeah, yeah. it's not baggy. Good. It's still good for the medium. And yeah. are you on about the old old ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah the retro. It's too baggy for me. <laughs> Got to look cool, ain't you? What do you think of the shorts, though? Because I mean, here's um, Stuart Pierce. I mean, I don't know if you can see there. The yeah, shorts the, are very very short. Yeah, well, kind of. Fashion does full circles, doesn't it? Yeah, that's very, very short, though. I think Stuart Pierce. I wonder, like, did he wear boxers with this? Because if he didn't, you're getting an eyeful there. Yeah, but the shorts were short like that, and then with boxing, <laughs> like if you slide tackling and your third boxing, leg comes up, it was like down to the knee, like Bermuda type shorts. Mm. And then all of a sudden, they started creeping back up to where when Oscar De La Hoya was fighting, and I mentioned Trinidad earlier, Felix mm. Trinidad, and some of them marvelous Marvin Agler, sort of go up Thomas and down. Ernst, and um, you know them that them. Them fights from that era, it was all short, mm. and then they went long and big and bit sponsors on them, and now they're going back to shorter. Sure. Some of the cool. Do you prefer? Like, is there a preference, or have you ever? I, thought I think it? the short ones look really cool, and you can see a little bit more of the top of the leg. Mm. And but I always liked them long because that was how it was then. But they used to be a bit too long sometimes. And when I used to like bend my knees and go, go low, you feel them snagging your knee, mm -hmm. kind of in the way. Like, there's mm -hmm. one fight where I'm pulling the shorts up over my knee, <clears> and I'm like standing in, and trying to, oh, and I'm poised, and my legs bent. The, the yeah. shorts are too long. So they're better a bit have shorter. You ever, ever fought in three quarter lengths? Nah, I can't be doing them three quarter lengths, man. I've never owned a pair oh, of three quarter lengths. Remember Zem them tracksuit three quarter lengths? You know the, you're the ones with all the NBA teams on it? Yeah, like yeah. The badges. Yeah. Not, not for you. That's nah. not us. That would no. be a weird fight to have in those, isn't it? No. So they're like, them ones you've got on a borderline three quarter length. Well, these? Yeah. This, yeah, but these are. You're getting away with you just. Like these, Carl, it? I'm bad. Don't talk sorts of no, me. No, I'm, I'm bad saying, with shorts. I'm just saying you're just about pulling that off. Oh, let me ask you, you this. Let me ask you this. You got the air force. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. All right? I'm 12 years old. Yeah. Oh, is that it? No. I'm 12 years old. Yeah. And my stepdad buys me shorts for me to wear. Yeah. But he gives me men's boxer shorts. Yeah. So I'm wearing like men's boxers, but I'm thinking, because I'm short. 
their the normal shorts because they're going there three mm, quarter lengths yeah. on me. How would you feel about that? I don't know. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a rough upbringing. Like that. <laughs> it's a little bit rough. Sounds hard. You're still, trauma, you're still traumatized from that, aren't you? <laughs> of course, I didn't know. But is that, is that like an? If you tell me that story, is that like an excuse for them? No. Or, or, or you now, saying? Yeah, because now I don't. Now I don't care what I wear. All right, fair enough. I I'll wear six quarter lengths. I think three. <laughs> no, they're not as bad as the three quarter. Four fifth lengths. Four fifth foot with a state. How, how low are they when you stand up? Wait, you want me to say? Yeah, where did they go? I think they're seven eighths. Have a look. No, they're all right then. Yeah, they're doing right. it for yeah. me. The combats and yeah. this has got yeah the look. You like, you like, no, I, I like, like how he's it, got yeah. the. the yeah, for you, man. I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut you some slack. It's cool. I like this one. <laughs> yeah, what's the waistcoat doing? Wait, waistcoat. Oh, the waistcoat. What's the waistcoat <laughs> doing? <laughs> what's happening with that? John Higgins. Well, Thomas Hendry is that Hendry? Yeah, Stephen Hendry. Stephen Hendry. Ronnie O'Sullivan, legend. Thomas Hendry. Stephen Hendry's one of the greats. You're definitely too young. Is it true that you've always wanted to fight at the city ground? Yes, because that's home. Oh, it's Nottingham Forest. And what that over? It's mice. What? Yeah, I'd rather box at the City Ground than the National Stadium. Well, Even if it wasn't eight thousand. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That would have been like, what thirty. Because I've always had my best performances in Nottingham because I'm at home. Mm. Mm. Spend the night in my bed before I go. I've got my own people around me. I'm just confident, I'm comfortable. There's a bit of nerves because then you know everyone's like city's all I knew. But I just love it, mate. I've never never been beaten in Nottingham. Mm. Lucian Butte came to Nottingham and I could have got paid probably probably five times much more money if I'd have gone to Canada. Oh. And Eddie Earn said to me, look, this is going to be a seven-figure fight if you go to Canada. And I went, no, get him to Nottingham. I've just lost to Andre Ward. He's IBF world champ. If I go to Canada and this fight's close on points and he outboxes and moves, I'm not winning. Get him to Nottingham to come and fight the sheriff of Nottingham and I'll run him out of town and bash him up. Did. You come to Nottingham and everyone's like all the top commentators and the pundits and all the all the expert analysts. Yeah, Frotch's got no chance. He just lost a ward. Butte's a different monster. He's unbeaten. Ring magazine champion. Unbeaten in 33. Yeah, Frotch has made a mistake here. And if you look at the fight, I hammered him. Because I'm at home. You know what I mean? So I think that if I'd have boxed Andre Ward at Nottingham Forest, which is what we was trying to get after I lost a ward out in um, was it the uh, Broadwalk Empire. But I was trying to get Andre Ward to Nottingham because I know in Nottingham. I'm going to just leave it all in the ring. You know what I mean? Give it my best. So I'd much rather have fought at the Nottingham Forest City Ground, 35,000, whatever would have got in there on the pitch and that, than box at Wembley. Wembley don't mean anything to me. It's a national stadium, it's great, mm. but it's not my home. It's all the yeah. way down there. I'm once miles from me, and this is what it is. But I'm thankful that it happened, and I'm, I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to finish my career on the crest of that wave that was Wembley Stadium. Mm. And you saw how good it was when Tony Belly did Everton. Mm. Oh, he like did that some part, didn't he? I'm watching that and I'm like, yeah. this is mental. So yeah. if you could have one more fight, like just, you know, City Ground, you know, Forest in the Prem now. Yeah. So Get Jesse Lingard on the undercard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who would who would it be? Just that last fight, who would it be? Jake Paul. Would so you'd be like, you'd you'd fight fight a YouTuber. Paul. I'd absolutely smash him to bits. Easy. I'd love that, you know. Think about it. I'm 45. I still keep myself in shape. I don't do any boxing training. I've got a bag in my gym at home and I hit the bag. And I'd take my kids, especially my girls as well, my daughters. My daughter's nine and six, and Natalia and Penelope. And they box, and they're up and down the rope, and I've got them fit. But for me to fight again, I'm realistic. I can't jump in there with a current world champion, someone who's a dedicated 12-week training camp professional. I can't do a 12-week training camp at 45. I can do a six-week camp, and I can 
tailor my training to get through the camp because you know like you've seen Rocky in Rocky 6 he, he, he changes his way he trains doesn't he he still goes in there and does the business you know what I mean what is it about Jake Paul though like that you Jake Paul can't fight mate yes can't Jake fight. Paul you watching yes mm. he thinks he's pretending he's, he's like he's conning people but he's got his audience like I said earlier I'm not, I'm not I don't begrudge him he's making money he's doing what he's doing but he's not a professional boxer oh, if he now sees this and says right let's have it mate he knows not to come anywhere near me he knows yeah, I think so. You can see it in your you know, eyes. He's bigger than me. He's 14 stone. Yeah? He's younger than me. He's fresher. He thinks he can fight. I don't train boxing. Yeah? I won't even train for this guy. I'll, I'll do a little bit of training. Like, exclusive, in, exclusive, exclusive. I might, do the odd, I might do the odd little run. I might go out and do a run to get the heart beating. But Just I'll take job. Jake Paul to school, hammer him. And he knows it as well. He won't fight me. No Sometimes I look at the fights that him and Logan Paul have had and I'm like, this looks a bit like a setup. Yeah. It doesn't look. Somewhat moody about it, isn't there? You know, it's a bit like, did you really beat him? Yeah. Did he let you beat him because you wanted to pay out? It's a shame the Tommy Fury fight didn't happen. And Tommy Fury is a novice pro. He like he didn't have any amateur career. Yeah. He's still good. a professional boxer and he's a decent fight. He knows how to. He's got balance. And it's a shame that fight didn't happen. But it would have been an even bigger shame if Jake Paul would have beat him because he'd have said, "I just beat a professional fighter." Oh, you know then I mean? he's up and he's ego. But he's not bigger. stupid, Jake Paul. He's a clever guy. Switched on. He's picking his opponents wisely. Mm. And. Um, you don't need this Listen, smoke. If, 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 you know, after this, if he does call you out because of this. You want to manage this fight, don't you? I want oh, to be. You want a piece of that. I want, want, me, you want, you want Imagine me with this one. <laughs> I'll be doing it. Carl, come on. You can hold the spit bucket. <laughs> yeah. And I'll try and get the aim right. I'll be doing the interviews, get everything wrong. <laughs> yeah. We probably won't need, the, we won't need the corner, to be honest. We won't hear the first round bell. Oh, man, that'll be, that'll be brilliant. Well, know, looks man. like you might have a deal if he sees this. Things he can fight. He's talking absolute nonsense on his on his Instagram and his YouTube channel to all his followers, and got them all believing that he can fight. But he's not fought one professional boxer mm. because he knows to stay away mm. from the professional sport of boxing. Even an old, grey-haired, retired. He knows you know it's different. I mean? he, knows, day, he knows he's not stupid. Different grey. So he's not yeah. that. Surely he's not that stupid. He's like a replica football shirt. You're the authentic version. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's a thirty-five pound. You're a yeah. hundred pound. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, it can't. The, the material's different. No, do exactly. I'd fight him and his brother mm. on the same night. And what they could do is. Oh, that's wrestling. And listen, this is he, they can take it in turns. Different so rounds. So he can do First round one. He can do round two. That's our confidence. He can do yeah. round. Think about that. Like it's never been done. Carl and it's Frotch exhibition and it's whatever. The pools. I take them both on. Wait, Carl Frotch versus, Frotch versus the pools. <laughs> but they, t they tag each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so he does round one. No, he does got to do the round. He can't right, be tagging in between. Oh, much. no tags. Breaking the flow. Yeah. But he can do round one, Jake, and now Logan can do round two. Frotch so they're having a right, the breather, having like a four minute breather oh, between rounds. That would be, that, be fantastic. But remember, because I'm on your corner, you can't come and tag me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excellent. Yeah, remember, I've retired <laughs> after a few hours, man. Oh, man. We're talking, you know, big names. Mm -hmm. um, well, the last shirt is a named one. What would you have? What, what player would you have on the back of your shirt if there was that one player? I think Paul Gascoigne. Uh, it's just like what he did for the sport. And the World Cup and the you know the the movie did the, vol the chip over the head and the volley, he's just like and I've met him as well. There's a, there's a story behind Gascoigne. I met him a couple of times actually. Um, you know he would do signing gigs. Mm. Go sign a load of those, sign gloves and the fans will get the gloves and whatever and they'll meet the meet the stars. I did it years ago when I met Stephen Hendry. I wanted to go and I wanted oh, to sign pictures. I'm a big fan of Stephen Hendry. I like snooker and yeah. uh, Barry Earn and Stephen Hendry are like 
top mates. And um, Steve Davis as well. Steve oh. Davis was Barry Hearn's best mate. That's how he got into, that's how Matchroom was founded. Barry Hearn and Steve Davis. Steve Davis promoted, was promoted by um, Baza, Barry Hearn. <laughs> so Gascoigne, obviously he's, he's having a bad time at the moment. Mm. He's had a bad time for a few years now with, with drink. Um, and my older brother, when he was, I mean, he's always been my number one fan. He couldn't box because he's short-sighted in one eye. He never got his medical as an amateur. So he just didn't box. Um, he's boxed lately. He's had like 13 unlicensed fights. Like, you know, like the, the um, you know, like the BKB, like bare knuckle boxing. It's not yeah. that. It's unlicensed. It's like Kimbo Slice. Yeah, so mm. I shouldn't really be affiliated with it because I was a licensed pro, but it was after I retired and I turn up and I help him out and want to do a bit of the corner work. But he's unbeaten in 13 fights. But that was part of his sobriety. He's nearly eight years sober. And he's just like a different person. He's my best mate now. He was my best best man at my wedding. And I've got a couple of really good friends, real close friends. But he had to get the best man spot. And Paul Gascoigne met my brother and Lee had a good chat with him at one of these signings. And I could see him just bouncing and feeding off each other. And Lee was trying to get hold of him. And he went for a little period of not drinking and after that, Gascoigne. And, but then we read, because we don't know him, we, d we met him, but we don't know him. And then we read he'd had another bad time and had another bad turn. So Gascoigne, to go from the heights of where he was in football and be like a living legend, to then just hit the rock bottom of an alcohol getting hold of him. It's just it's such a sad story, really. I hope he's in recovery and he can, he can beat this, this problem he's got. But yeah, mm -hmm. Gascoigne, what a player. What a man, he'd like, the tears, the crying, and just everybody knows Paul Gascoigne. But now for what he's going through in his bad times, I really hope he, he gets he gets himself fixed and gets himself into recovery. Mm. So yeah, he's he's the man for me. Mm. You know, that was a great squad, wasn't it? Pierce uh, and Walker and that, I mean, England mm. squad. That's I need awesome. to watch that, I only remember 1994. I don't remember that. So Stuart Pierce missed a penalty. There's Walker was in that squad. Listen, that England team was, Looking like Nottingham Forest them days anyway. Well, mm. Stuart Pearce, when he, when he scored that penalty, mm. he screamed at the, the cameras on yeah. him, at Psycho, and he's screaming at the goalkeeper and he I put that goal that. in. That was awesome, wasn't it? And he's dribbling. Yeah. I saw that. It's the Italian 90, uh, England home shirt, with the, uh, the navy blue collars. Very, very nice. Very smart. Now, we spoke about fit. This was oversized. This was baggy. Yeah, baggy. It was very baggy. Retro vintage feel. Well, now it's vintage. Baggy was a lot though, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Have right. you got this shirt? By the way, no, I wish no. I had that shirt. Yeah, I have to get that sorted out somehow. Specs yeah. will buy you one. Yeah, from classic football shirts. Yeah, I'll try. Yeah, with uh, and it comes with one of these. Yeah, if yeah, man. <laughs> yeah if you, <laughs> it comes with one of these. <laughs> you get some, you get some stick you do on there, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I don't have to dress. That's that exactly makes sense. Why they don't fit? <laughs> what do you remember for that World Cup? I can remember we lost it against yeah. Germany. You know, we don't like the Germans, do was, we? In was, football. We love beating them, don't we? Yeah. But it's great, isn't it? Because with World Cups, is, if you, even if you're not into football, you watch the World Cup. It's a vibe, isn't it? You know what I mean, yeah. It's everyone getting together. There's not enough of that now. Yeah. Too much separation, too much dividing. There is, isn't it? Too many reasons to not get on with each other. Totally. Listen, they know what they're doing, the government. Let's not go down the dark <laughs> road. Let's not make oh, this a Carl. Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> or sh or show her. Show her. <laughs> Before we go there. What do you think what? about Flat Earth? Oh, oh, let's go there, yeah! <laughs> yeah. I was just about to ask you about Des Walker. The heliocentric <laughs> model is a load of nonsense. Go. This is taking us there. Do you know what it is about flat Earth? What's annoying? Because my brother all of a sudden told me the Earth's flat, my older brother, who I've got a lot of respect for. He's clever, he's a shop kid, he's got like a high IQ. But then he's told me one day the Earth's flat. And I just like, like most people do, the Earth's flat, you laugh your head off. Like, what are you talking about, weirdo? Do you know what I mean? And that's the perception. But then he's hitting me these things on, on, on Instagram and YouTube, sending me videos and I'm looking at it and there's all these different 
theories of the curvature of the Earth and the heliocentric model, how the Earth spins at a thousand mile an hour and it orbits the sun at 670,000 mile an hour while it's spiraling, shooting through space at 1.2 million miles an hour in the ever expanding universe. And you start thinking, is the Earth really spinning and rotating and spiraling? Mm. Or is it still like it feels? Well, are we going around the sun that's 94 million miles away? Like, or does the sun come up and go over us like we can see? And then you go, right, well, I need to just put this to bed. Right, the Earth's definitely around. Let's get some proof. And you start looking for proof, and you stumble upon the fake moon landings in 1969. Those are some and great right, conspiracies. And they've gone to you the, are, they've gone to the moon. Are deep. <laughs> right, they've gone to the moon. They've gone <laughs> to the, the moon desert, in this tinfoil thing spaceship. Yeah. And then they don't want, there's no proof or evidence because they've lost all the telemetric data to go. Then we've not been back to the moon since. If I was going to go down the conspiracy, I mean, conspiracies are wrong. Yeah. Do you think we've been to the moon? No. No. no, exactly. I'm not saying so that. you're saying that they give that big lie, NASA, like a multi-billion pound industry uh, organization. It's a studio. It's a studio. It's a studio. Yeah. And yeah. They, they've told Disney. us that lie. So if they're lying to us about the moon landings, allegedly. So allegedly. is everything else the truth? I mean, I'll be honest. The, 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 I think the only way to prove the flat Earth one, right? Mm. You start at one point, and you walk, mm. and you have to walk all the way What's flat, that, all, all the way do, around. I'm gonna do that. Well, exactly. But that? that's that's the way to do it and prove it. You know what? If you go back to the if point go, after you know walking what? straight, if you go south, from that every, means it's no, round. No, why but is it? But if you then hit this, this as the Earth, the flat Earth model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I've got it. Yeah, I've got something for you now. So go but if the flat Earth model is real, you'll hit that brick wall of the ice, yeah. and yeah. you'll be like, can't go anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's the way to prove it. Just so, walk in a circle. So off, off here's what will happen if you walk in a circle, because I've done quite a lot of research on this. Yeah. And I'm not going to say on, on on the podcast that I'm a flat earther, because last time I said the Earth's flat, it was on the front page of the Sun. Oh, jeez. So this could be good for your podcast, because it might get some, some press. clicks, yeah. Right, but <laughs> if you do what you're just saying there, and you walk straight, yeah. and you're about walking into this ice wall, yeah. you will do. If you walk south from any country, yeah. where do you go? Where do you end up? Uh, uh, the pole. The South Arctic. South Arctic. So Antarctica, Antarctica. That's where you'll end up. So that's you start one. off in any country in the world. Yeah. On the globe. Yeah, you end up. Go south. Antarctica. Yeah. You'll go to the. You'll go to Antarctica. I this see. huge continent on the bottom of the globe. Yeah, just the alleged globe. Right. That's also when you get there. It looks like a big ice wall. That's yeah, what but it looks like. Hypothetically, I should be able to walk up and around that. Yeah, but let me tell you something. You can't. Well, how you're not allowed I? to. You're going the there. Antarctic Treaty says you can't. Yeah, you're not, you're, not you're not allowed in there. It's illegal for you to go you out over there. Look it up. I just want to, I just want to say this. If you keep researching Flat Earth, you'll become a Flat, <laughs> flat Earther. I just want to say this, yeah, because me and you, we're in a conspiracy group, right? A lot. We right? are. We, I just want to say this. What you do? You've never researched Flat Earth. You know what it is with it that drives one? drives you mad. They can't measure the curve. It's supposed to be eight Look. inches per mile squared uh, all the way around, but you uh, can see continents and cities that should be miles under under the curve i, I love the all curve. theories i love trust me no, I, yeah if, if there's a man that likes alternative <laughs> theories it's me i mean that that one not that i don't believe it yeah. or not i just can't i don't almost have an opinion because i'm like i'll never be able to prove it myself yeah i've like really all you want to see is somebody go up to the space station yeah the alleged space station oh yeah because it could right. be a studio well every time you go up there you got who is it up there, is it not Elon Musk? Oh, there's a guy in a sp- just doing that, isn't it? On a blue screen, like yeah. some fake floating around bits. It's like, is he really on a harness? Do you think? Yeah, but have you seen the state of the place? It's all wires. Yeah. It's like going to get an electric shock. It does look a bit weird. Station, <laughs> I'll be honest, that surely one's the a bit pla- weird. Surely the space station should be nice, neat, and tidy, and be futuristic. Yeah, all the guys. Like, yeah, Star Trek looks more futuristic yeah. than that. And like the space station's up there apparently with people on it floating, and all you ever see is a corner of the Earth on their pictures. So Why don't I they mean, pan down and show you the whole globe? What's up with the other planets? What are, they? are they all flat as well? Or do they even exist? Well, listen, the other planets will be beyond, the, depending on how deep you want to go with flat Earth, the firmament dome. And they are round, you can see they're round. But just because they're round, if we're the centre of the universe, 
Because the entire theory is that we're the centre. You've got all it? these things. You've got the sun and the moon going around you. And you've got the Antarctica as a circumference of the flat Earth that you're not allowed to go past because the Antarctic Treaty. How do you prove it? When it's somebody hard. goes up there in a private manned aircraft mm. and gets an iPhone yeah. and goes on and, and live streams it and shows you the Earth, which has never been done in its entirety, and pans around, no, no goes into the space and comes back, I'll say, right, the Earth's definitely around. But at the minute, I'm on the fence. Let's end on this question. Emotion. You're a man of, obviously, a lot of thought. Mm -hmm. Speak mm. really well. Yeah. Emotion. The feeling. There was a feeling you could bottle maybe after one of your victories. Which one would it be? Well, there's, there's two feelings, and it's the same, it's the same fight, and it's the Lucian Butte fight. Because I lost to Ward, and I thought, I've lost to Ward. I'm in the final of the Super Six. I've lost my belt. After losing to Kessler, then regaining the, regaining the, well, I regained the belt with Kessler later. I beat Kessler later. I regained the belt straight away. So when I lost to Andre Ward, I was devastated, I was good. So I wasn't an emotional wreck, but I was really like, I was more annoyed than anything. Cause I felt like I didn't do myself proud. I didn't really go for it, but Ward was too quick and tricky and slippy. It was hard, he was hard to beat. But on the ring walk to my first fight back after that loss in Nottingham, my home crowd at the, at the um, Nottingham Arena, I think it was a Trent FM Arena then, um, the walk to the ring was just amazing. Okay, it was like, I've just lost to Ward and now I'm walking to the ring in my hometown and it's packed to the rafters. Probably eight, eight, between eight and 10,000 people there because they went over the like, legal health and safety limit because there's all people stood up and on the floor. It mm. was just packed. Like a conundrum of people just on top of you. And um, the ring walk was the Rocky theme tune. Oh. There's no easy way out. There's no easy way out. That one. And um, my, in my head it was, there's no easy way out here. I've lost a ward. And now I'm taking on an unbeaten world champion. No one wants to fight because it's too dangerous. And I'm like, if I'm going out now, I'm going out. I'm going out on the top. Mm. I'm going out, fighting the best with no mm. regrets. I've got to try and become a world champion again. So the feeling walking to the ring, Sugar Ray Leonard came into my changing room before the fight. He was working for Showtime. And he'd come and wish me luck. And I've met him before, but not, get, not a chance to speak to him, just to like, oh, can I get a quick picture? And then I'm done. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to Sugar Ray Leonard about his fight with Hearns and Hagler and that. He came in the changing rooms, I had like 10 minutes chat with him. So that lifted me up. And then when Sky TV cameras come in, they say, four minutes, you're on. You're like, that's four minutes, usually six minutes actually. And then you walk to the ring. And as you, before you do the ring walk, your heart's pounding, you're nervous. And then the, the music, No Easy Way Out comes on. And the, my crowd, the Nottingham crowd's here. And I'm just doing the ring walk thinking, this could be my last ring walk. If I lose, I'm retiring. You know, and I'm just so like, wind up my heart's pounding and I'm nervous but I'm also excited that I want to just go in there and smash this guy to bits and I just I put the performance of a lifetime on and absolutely hammered him nobody thought I could win and I smashed him to bits round after round after round like four or five I think it was fifth round the referee jumped in and Eddie Hearn jumped in the ring too early then he got me disqualified but Tagged. I smashed him to bits in front of my home crowd so the nerves walk into the ring the apprehension and the you know overthinking things but then overcoming it and staying focused and then after that the feeling there I'm world champion again in front of my home crowd all my family and friends are there if I could bottle up an emotion it'd be it'd be them it'd be the ring walk moment because it felt amazing I felt charged I felt like I could walk through walls and then when I <coughs> when I won that night and won that fight on the night the feeling of that just the natural the natural high and the euphoria of of winning at the buzz, that'd be the one. But there's some good ones. When I chin Groves at Wembley in front of 80,000, 
That was a good moment. <laughs> and maybe this podcast that as well. This conversation, this feelings you've had here. Yeah. Yeah, we've gone through the emotions. Yeah. Fuku Togwa. Well, that was stripped of Carl Froch, man. Thank you for legend. coming down. Legend, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Let me just see those fists one more time. I enjoyed it. Oh, whoa. That's a big ass. Yeah, Imagine that, boy. Oh, if that hits you. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you, Carl, man. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks uh, for having uh, me. And that's why Boxwork ranked him third best uh, British fighter of all time, man. Any third? Yeah, third. Uh, yeah. About. I, I mean, if it was me, it would be first. Thank you, Class Football Shirts, for, for you know, lending us some, some shirts as well for the show. <laughs> and this has been Strict, brought to you by William Hill. Um, 18 plus, uh, gamble responsibly.